As the teen tycoon of rock, I'd like to hear them, and I'm sure you would too. Leave him alone, Miss Elsa. You bad luck to him. My name's crazy, honey. What's yours? Bernice! What's the boogeyman? Will you marry me? Did he leave you any money? Answer the second question first. podcast my name is anthony king uh this show is all about author and critic and historian danny perry and his cult movies books uh what's going to happen is we will talk about one of the movies uh, he writes about in book number one and we're going to offer up some pairing recommendations um joining me as ever is my lovely co-host from the left coast it is hi Kristen lipska it's Kristen lipska Kristen, how's uh, how's the internet archive treating you? Uh, pretty good. Good. Yeah, lots of good stuff over there. I had a question for you. Okay. Uh, I meant to ask this before we actually jumped into the show, but uh, are you guys digitizing any of the uh, the stuff? The one that I'm super curious about is is the the fields, the one that you did on Friday with like the poppy oh. fields. Yeah, all that that's from the the digitized file. I just did a screen grab oh, and made a gif of the poppies, the beautiful 1963 uh California coast poppies. Yeah, that was like a a camera original negative and so that's why it looks so good. Yeah, it... 35 millimeter, yeah. Wow, beautiful, gorgeous. Yeah. Flowers. So I I didn't know if if uh if he was going to put those up like on the archive yeah everything's going up we're just like developing the workflow I, still sure, so yeah. okay behind well, what gets digitized but well, yeah yeah I, you you posted and i was like oh my god i have to see this just because it it looked so gorgeous and so it makes <laughs> sense best. why it was so so pretty so i yeah, can't yeah. i can't wait for that anyways um back to the show um so we're joined chris and i are joined by two first time guests here and I appreciate them um, kind of jumping on, uh, not necessarily last minute, but uh, I like to give more space than than these uh, gentlemen got. It's Patrick and Rob from Chainsaws and Claws. What's up, gentlemen? Hey, what's up? Hey, how's, how's it going? We're good over here. I really appreciate you guys doing this. And like I was telling Pat, uh, you guys do your horror show. And it only made sense for you to come on our show to discuss the movie we're going to talk about this week. It, it only makes sense. So, um, Rob, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about uh, your guy's show? Yeah, uh, Chainsaws and Clothes, a killer monster podcast. Um, so, like, it, it initially started with, uh, when, after me and Patrick became friends, we, we realized we, we had not only similar tastes in horror, but nearly the exact same taste in horror. 
like 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 which is which is weird because you know we we grew up on i mean we're both new yorkers but he grew up in the sticks <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> I was gonna say West Bumfuck, but um... yeah, that's fair too. What is it's more North Bumfuck? It's very close to Canada, so oh, like yeah. it's North Bumfuck. Yeah, and, and I grew up in Brooklyn, um, so it was like it was it was that weird dynamic that like you know we grew up on completely you know different environments and have such similar tastes. Like like it was like it's almost the exact same taste in horror that it's creepy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it was creepy how similar our tastes are. You know, saying like our favorite horror movies are slasher movies and monster movies. So we figured like, hey, let's do a double feature horror show where we talk about slasher movies and monster movies. Like it initially started out that he would pick one and I would pick the other and we trade off. But uh, we did we did away with that because it's like we're both picking, you know, the movies like you know at the same time. So it's like, yeah, let's just, you know, it's our picks instead of sure. like he picks yeah. one and I pick the other. And um, yeah, like the. It, you know, it's been doing exceptionally well, like, you know, considering that, you know, two guys from out of nowhere just talking about horror and, you know, we just appreciate everyone who's, you know, showing us love and all that stuff. So it's like, yeah, 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 that, 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 that's our thing. And, and, and we love doing it. You know what I'm saying? And I, I love talking to uh, my brother Patrick over here. I love this man. And um, yeah, like I could I couldn't think of anybody else to, to do the show with. You know what I'm saying? I love this man. I love you too, Roddy. I love you too. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic show. The conversation's always great. You guys are are funny. Um, and then, like I was telling Patrick, you know, you you sort of reignited my my love for for the genre. And because um, years and years and years ago, the very first podcast I did was was a horror podcast. And so, like you know, when when you do a a podcast about a specific genre, you're kind of you know, you spend a lot of time in the genre. And yeah. so like, you know, I spent years uh, almost exclusively watching horror films. And, and so then I fell out of it and, and, but anyways, so you guys reignited my love. I highly recommend that show. Um, all right. Thank, now, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're very welcome. Sense. All right. Now we're going to go over to Patrick who is going to uh, introduce the movie that we're talking about this week. And he's going to do it all in French. Go. I will absolutely not be doing that. I can't even, I don't, I don't think I can actually pronounce the movie. I, I know it's La Cage, probably La Cage au Fall. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's right. Um, but it's funny because like I was saying to you beforehand, I was just like, so as you point out, like we're kind of, I mean, more Rob than me, but it's like, we're like the horror guys of action Twitter. So naturally we are the go-to for the body French farce episode. I was like, <laughs> I don't know why this is happening, but I'm not against it. Cause I'd actually always wanted to see this movie. And it was an excuse to do it. So I was like, rock on that. works for me. <laughs> like I'm totally, I'm super down. Good. Yeah. This is, this was one that I, I probably, uh, I watched only for the first time, maybe a couple years ago um, because of, because of the book. Um, and so I was, you know, very much looking forward to this. Uh, but before we get too far into the show, how about we watch the trailer and the folks at home can listen to the thing? At La Cage au Fall, the outrageous is commonplace, and nothing is ever what it seems. 
At La Cajo Fall, one man's comedy is another man's tragedy. And the answer to the question of sex is the riddle of love. At La Cajo Fall, illusions are born and illusions are shattered, all in the name of romance. At La Cage au Fall. tuba <laughs> there's so much tuba in this movie you wouldn't believe it i i, I think that that trailer is hysterical uh talking about the sex and the romance and the love in this movie uh because this is an extremely sexless and really i think romanceless movie um and <clears throat> i'd sent you guys uh did anyone read danny's review of this movie i did okay, okay. I, I got I to say, <laughs> I was shocked that Danny like spent basically his whole essay shitting on this movie. Yeah, I was actually shocked too. <laughs> so I'm I'm super curious. I'm going to start with Kristen. Uh, one, had you seen this before? I had not. Okay. All right. Two, what'd you think? I did not care for it. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Patrick, what'd you think of the movie? I actually liked it a lot, even though, like, because the whole reason I'd always wanted to see it was because, like, when I was a kid, The Birdcage came out, yep. which is based on this, and I saw that with my mom in the theater, and I always really liked that movie, and, like, oh, it's based on something. I wish I would like to see that at some point, and I just never got around to it until this, and I watched it, like, the watched this, and I'm like, oh, wow, like, they didn't even, it's like that, like, meme of, like, it's like, oh, yeah, just make sure it doesn't look like you copied. Like, it's like, it's exactly the same. It's almost like a carbon copy, just, like, there's not like Robin Williams riffing. Um, but otherwise, it's basically exactly the same thing, which I was kind of shocked by. But I still really liked it. I think it actually works really well, even like probably like almost 50 years later. Yeah, yeah. Same. I agree. It's like extremely similar. And that's also why I was like how, like I I also saw the birdcage a lot, like growing up and, you know, felt different ways about it at different points. But I think the birdcage is way more fun than this movie, and that, but it is extremely similar. So I was like, "How is this movie failing so much when it's like pretty much the same?" Okay, uh, Rob, had you seen this before? I had not. Okay, and what'd you think of it? Um, it, it's weird. I two thirds of this movie, I was incredibly infuriated by it. <laughs> um simply because um i mean I, 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 as as the rest i i seen the birdcage i seen the birdcage a lot um i love the birdcage like i was just remarking that the it's weird that the birdcage was such a huge thing when it came out and nobody really talked about it anymore you yeah know? true like like it like the birdcage was birdcage was massive like it made a huge star and it made them lane and it's just like nobody like nobody talks about it you know what i'm saying it's like it's like joe pesci is the super 
Like nobody talks about that either. And that was a huge movie. You know what I'm saying? When it when it came out. He's got a fucking toilet that farts. <laughs> yeah. I love that movie. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's okay. Um, so, but you know, with the uh, with the birdcage, like you know, I knew uh, because I I used to watch Cisco uh, uh, and Ebert uh, at the movie show, and they did a review of it. And uh, if I recall, they liked it, but they had both agreed that this one was the superior film. Um, so I, I had always knew that the birdcage was a remake of this. I just never seen it. So like when you came, you came up to to me and Patrick, like, hey, you, you guys want to do this episode and talk about this? I was like, oh, it gives me an excuse to finally watch it. And luckily, the the the, the great streaming uh, service <laughs> Tubi uh, came to, to 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 my rescue. Uh, I love Tubi. Yep. Um. So so I watched it. Uh, I attempted to watch it uh, last. Uh, last Sunday while I was at work, uh, which was a mistake. I didn't, I didn't get to watch it because uh, I had shit to do. Sure. Um, so, so I watched it uh, yesterday. <laughs> I was like, you know, full on through. And uh, yeah, um, the, like I, I like like I said, I'd seen the Birdcage, but I hadn't I haven't seen it in decades. Um, so it's like there, there are certain like moments in the Birdcage which I remember. Um, but but not the movie as a whole, and like Patrick was like, oh, like you know, this is basically the same movie, and like what I was planning to do was I was going to watch this and then I was going to watch Birdcage. I was going to too, and I didn't get around to it. <laughs> no, um, I I did not watch the bird rewatch the Birdcage because I I realized I was so infuriated by two thirds of this movie. I was like, I know that's going to piss me off as well. In the Birdcage, um, yeah, yeah. Um, simply because the son, uh, Lawrence is a fucking shed. Um, like, like, like that was pissing me off. Like the audacity of this kid, like to, to, to make, uh, Alvin basically change up his whole way of living just to appease his fiance's family. And it was like, I mean, Anthony, you, you don't mind the, uh, having swearing on your show, do you? Of course not. No. Like you little motherfucker, you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really? Like, you 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 were such a little motherfucker. Like I I could not stand him. And he was like so. I was saying like like how dare you? Because like you know they remark in the movie that uh, uh, Alvin was basically his mother figure for for majority of his life. Twenty years, he, yeah. Yeah, yeah. His actual mother was not in the picture. So um. Armand and Alvin basically raised him and he's just like, hey, like, you know, just just leave and we're going to like totally change up your house and you got to leave for a few days. So my fiance and and her asshole parents can come in and then we could oppress them. And it's like, you little son of a bitch. I, I cannot stand you. Um, but uh, the third the, the third act hit um, with the, like the whole ruse comes up and I, I laughed until it hurt. Like simply because everything that like you know that went wrong with the dinner, it like, you know, it was just like, that's what you get. That's what you get, you little son of a bitch. Yeah. You deserve to have everything ruined. And and that's what like what made my enjoyment of the third act. Like it, it made made it up all because I was just like, oh man, this is so glorious. You know, uh uh Alvin coming in with that uh um what is it, Eleanor Roosevelt wig? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> was the most glorious thing. Like, like so I, I, I mean, like, like I said, I was infuriated by two thirds of it, but the last act saved it for me, and uh, I, I can honestly say because of that, I liked it. Okay, so but Laurent wasn't even there for most of the third. Yeah, he, he didn't even get to dinner. Like, yeah, right. he, he didn't even yeah, get he, to feel bad. <laughs> Right, he he ditched out and, and left them all to fend for themselves. You son of a bitch. He, yeah, he's. He, you know what? What's so funny in the so in the Birdcage, the son is played by Dan Futterman, uh, yeah. who I really like because I I watched Will and Grace, uh, for its run, and he was Barry, and so he would he would show up every now and then on Will and Grace. So I really like Dan Futterman, um, and like his character in the Birdcage is so much more likable than that fuckhead. Laurent in Lacage because it like yeah I actually feel the opposite because I feel like Dan Futterman's character is kind of more like like I can like Laurent I feel like is he feels like an actual like child like he feels like he's a True. kid yeah and he's just trying to like like it's like I mean when you're 20 and like your brain isn't even fully developed yet like it's just like you're just kind of struggling and it's like so I feel like that was my thing with him Whereas I, I guess because I don't know, maybe just the actor seemed older or whatever, but um, like Futterman in um, your in the Birdcage, I was always just like he feels like more of a dick because he's more like he's he's actively being like you need to change everything about yourselves, like whatever, and he seems he's much more like kind of manipulative, um, in a way. Whereas I feel like Laurent, it was just basically just like. I just, I just want to get married, but, but my, like, my girlfriend's parents are assholes. Like, please help me. Like, it's just like it, he felt more like sweet and innocent to me than like Futterman's interpretation. But that's just me. Okay, no, so... no, I, I, I can agree with that. Not, not, not to cut you off, Anthony, but uh, no, I, can, I can agree. I can agree with you, Patrick. There, like, it was just my, my, my issue was is he's a little too nonchalant about it. You know what I'm saying? But like, I guess that's because, like you said, he's young, so he's a bit more naive and like. And not understanding of like you know like like people's feelings yet, you know. Whereas like Futterman, like yeah, like I like I remember specifically where he actually like intercepts his, uh, the call by his mom. He's like, no, don't be late. You yeah. know, like you know he's welcoming her, and it's like, yeah, and and you're a lot more older, so you seem more of an asshole for that. Where it's True. just like you know, Laurent is just this kid who's just like you know, like I just want to impress my my asshole soon to be in-laws right you know but it's just a nonchalant attitude where it's just like you know it almost seems like he doesn't care yeah you know and it's like you're a little motherfucker you okay <laughs> so just, so I rob like i you. i agree i i think that's why laurent rubbed me so wrong whereas dan yeah. futterman does it because but so uh remy laurent who plays laurent in lacage was 20 years old when they made this mm. and dan futterman was almost 30 so like Patrick, you have a good point. Like, like Remy Laurent was really just a kid, right? In real life. The actor was just, he was just 20 years old. And so <clears throat> he does look a lot younger than Futterman and he does kind of play it a lot, a lot younger. So I think, you know, it, it, I think uh, both of you are really kind of help helping me process this. Let me, before we get, go any further, let me read <clears throat> the opening paragraph of Danny's review here. And then I also picked out some other stuff, which we'll get to. Uh, he says, nominated for Best Director and Best Screenplay at the 1979 Academy Awards, La Caja Fall has been a surprise box office hit in the U.S. 
the most successful foreign film ever, ranking in more than $40 million in limited engagements and playing in some theaters for more than a year. Considering all the excitement it has caused among lovers of the picture and among those in equal number who despise it, I am stunned that it is such an innocuous film. After all the word of mouth, I didn't necessarily expect it to be a great film, but I thought it would be inventive, outrageous, to the point of hysteria, with gags flying in all directions nonstop. And I thought our viewing sensibilities would be severely tested. But in reality, this is a family comedy that never rises above a level of mediocrity. And that's about the nicest thing he says in his whole review. Family and- comedy? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it is in a certain sense. Cause, I mean, as I said, like I saw the Birdcage with my mom when I was like, whatever the hell year that came out. Like I was like probably like thirteen. So, right. like, I mean, I think I think uh, the way I read it was like it, it's it's a comedy about a family, right. not uh, like okay. not like four families. But I mean, he he could mean the other way too. Um, that although I disagree with almost everything Danny says in his review. I don't think he's wrong. Like there, you know, there are some issues in this movie where I was like, we're just like skirting over the, uh, the physical abuse. Right. Like, cause, yeah. uh, Ugo Taznazi punches Michelle Seurat right at the beginning. And like, they play it for laughs and like, Oh, he can't really see it. And it's like, I'm not laughing at that. And I don't, you know, I don't know if people were laughing at that in 1978, 79. Um, and some of the Danny has real qualms with how effeminate, say like Jacob, the, the house boy and how, uh, effeminate, um, uh, um, what's Michelle Seurat's character's name? Uh, Albin, Albin, how (laughs) effeminate they are. And, and it's, it's like, we're not laughing at the things they're saying. We're laughing at their mannerisms and like, you know, they're playing super gay, right? Like comically gay. And uh, who am I to say that that's offensive or not? Cause I'm not gay. So it's not really my place. I can say, I, I think it's funny. I think it's funny when they do it. I thought it was funny when Hank Azaria and Nathan Lane did it in the birdcage. But Kristen, I'm curious, do you have any inkling as to why? Because this is, I mean, this is like, you know, Gus Van Sant's Psycho, right? Not quite shot for shot, but it is. It's just the same movie, uh, but in English and with recognizable actors to us. So mm-hmm. what, Kristen, is it, do you think, that makes the birdcage more uh, palatable and Lacage was just like a huge turnoff. I don't know. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen the Birdcage too, so it's possible it wouldn't work for me now either. But I, I feel like in there's something in Lacage au Fol um, that where the humor of like what is supposed to be funny about Albin is how he's like he has these effeminate qualities and there's this weird misogyny to that also where it's like Mm. isn't it funny how this man acts like a woman and it's like there's like so much going on there that I'm not prepared to like find funny I guess 
<laughs> or like like you're saying like uh but like he he his character acts very irrationally and that's never explained and i think there's supposed to be something there like aren't women crazy and yeah, also aren't true. gay men like women like it's like so weird there's so many like assumptions happening so i I think Danny is right when he's like, oh, yes, this is a movie for straight people yeah. Oh, <laughs> about yeah. gay people. Yeah. Um, gentlemen, do you have any? Um, uh, because I kind of agree that Lacage fell and I Birdcage is a movie I watch every year. I, I watched it just last year. And yeah, I've watched it like in the last couple of years. So it's like during uh, the pan, like the beginnings of the pandemic, like my favorite activity was basically just like, Hey, I wonder if I can get this movie that I haven't thought about in a while for five dollars on eBay. And the answer was often yes. So it was just like I would just get anything that was like I remember that I wanted to watch again. And I got Birdcage, one of them, and like I watched it, and I was just like, oh, like this is I still really like this. But I think the main thing that makes it more palatable um, is well, I mean, I guess you would say both of them, but mostly Robin Williams, um, because there is a thing. It's funny because like. I wasn't always the hugest fan of Rob Williams because, like, at a certain point, like, his shtick can wear thin yes. um, for me. But um, when he's really good and doing a lot of things, like, in the birdcage, he is. Like, in the birdcage, he's doing, like, yes, he's doing really broad comedy, but he's also doing his kind of more dramatic character work. It just kind of doesn't, it gets kind of overshadowed by the comedy aspects of it. And so, like, when he's doing so much, to kind of hold the movie together. And like he, I feel like his character is much more likable than his French equivalents. Um, so oh, yeah. it's like, yeah. So I feel like in that respect, that's kind of what makes it more palatable. And also um, I think Nathan Lane um, as Albert and Sven um feels more real. Like it, it's like, it's, it's less of a caricature in a way. Like, I mean, it's, it's still kind of a caricature. But like it's, I don't know. It feels like slightly less so. Like it's a little bit less over the top. That's for I mean, just for me, my sure. read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, oh. I will say I. Sorry, Rob. Let me get this out real quick. So my, the first apartment I lived in, I, my roommate was a gay guy that I worked with at at a restaurant, and <clears throat> he was Albert slash Albin, like very, just like everything was a to do. And, but that's what I loved about Shane. Like, cause it was, you know, it was just, it was fun. And, you know, we'd go out and like, it was just drama. And, you know, when you're 21, it's like, oh, I want all the drama. I want to drink all the tea and uh, give me. Um, so it was, it was, it was fun when I was younger. Um, and so like, <clears throat> that's, I, I don't know if that has something to do with when I watch these movies, Albert or Albin, um, I'm like, yes, they're, they're very dramatic people, but I lived with one for a year, for a year. Uh, and it, you know, I was like, eh, there are people out there and I, I didn't feel like the caricature of, uh, the gay person that, that Albin was supposed to be. Uh, was delivered with like mal intent. I don't oh, think no, it was no, supposed. No, no. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I yeah. think I think this this movie is all in good fun, and 
you know, it's a different time. Sure. This, that, and the other, but there are still other things where I was just like, mm, little cringy. Okay. Rob, sorry. I cut you off. No, 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 no. You're fine. You're fine. Um, uh, I, 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 I could somewhat see it, you know, how it's just like, like what Kristen was saying, this is, this is a, a movie featuring gay people, but for straight audiences. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but it, it's made at a, it was made at a time where it's like, you know, like, what do you really make of queer culture? You know what I mean? And it's like, there's no real understanding of it. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Because, so it's like, like, oh, like, you know, like, they're funny, right? Look how flamboyant they are. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, that's a crock of shit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, like, one of, one of the greatest friends I ever had, uh, my friend Devin, thank you, rest in peace, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, he was just, like, the greatest dude ever, you know what I'm saying? And it was just like, you know, I didn't... I don't even remember. Um, sorry, Devin. Um, it's, it's like, there, there was no real quiet understanding of, of the culture, especially at that time. So it's just like, sure. oh, it, it's, it's all, it's all, it's all funny. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, let's have, let's, let's, let's have a laugh. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, I mean, there, there's that, but it's like, uh, I, I, I see them being real people, you know what I'm saying? So it's like not a total, like, just complete, um, just wash over where it's just like you know it's a bit misrepresenting you know what sure. i mean sure this is so it's just like but like yeah there is those moments where it's just like you, 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 you're kind of making fun of them you know what i'm saying oh yeah yeah so it's yeah. just like it's, it's just like you you both arguments have a point you know what i'm saying right um you yeah. know i i think it's funny like you know danny uh seemed like he was so offended uh, that you know, the gayness was all for the laughs. Yet his he thought the funniest part of the movie was when they were sitting in the cafe with the pinky and like you know the, um, and it, it's it's just it's wild how similar the American remake is to that. Like it's just they're doing the almost exact same thing. Like, I Dan think that that part's successful though because it's like the one time that they those two the two who are in a couple are like having a a relationship and an interaction point, where you yeah. can see their different personalities and and how they interact I don't know I agree I liked that scene too mostly so um I'm not sure why other than it seems like you don't really get a view into their relation like the the more fun parts of their relationship yeah. Uh, well, yeah, other yeah, than be, that be, like, like danny says like why were these two why have they been together so long if if all we're getting is you know sort of this misery and this drama um okay so danny uh calls the character of albin uh says he comes across as silly weak fussy irrational self-pitying cloying annoying and temperamental but in a fun way. <laughs> See, that's I'm like, yes, but it's funny. I thought it was funny. And like, again, like Patrick, I, this is so funny. We're like you and I are like, yeah, but it's funny. And then these two are like, eh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I, again, like I completely understand the other side. Yeah, totally. 
Um, because it, you know, maybe at, at some point early, early, early on in the movie, it's like, okay, I'm done with this. Like, it's very grating. Um, it's very, you know, it's just such a caricature where you're just like, okay, can we turn this down a little bit? Uh, writer, not, not, not the character and not even the actor, but you know, the, like, cause Danny, it seems like, you know, he kind of lays most of the blame on Milanaro, Milanari, Milanaro, what is it? Oh, Milanaro, the, the director, um, you know, a straight man directing this, uh, this play adaptation, uh, about gay characters. And yes, like there's obviously some disconnect there. Um, and which is funny, Mike Nichols, also straight, directed the birdcage about these gay characters, yet it seems a little more successful. Is it because Elaine May wrote the script for the birdcage? I don't know. Yes. Probably, yes. Probably, <laughs> probably yes. Because Milanaro <laughs> wrote and directed this movie. Yeah, uh, Elaine May is, you know, a genius. So, the, right. the, and the, I mean, Mike, Mike, all credit to Mike Nichols, but uh, it, it, I'm, I'm pretty sure it all has to do with Elaine May. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, people people still shit on Ishtar, and I'm just like, Ishtar is fun as hell. So, you know, what the hell are y'all talking about? Like, you know, you know that, that woman knows how to write a good movie. So, right. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> all, all credit to, to, to Elaine May. So, Kristen, going going back to what you had had talked about, like the relationship between uh, um, Renato and um, Albin, why are they together? Like the only sort of real, not even necessarily intimate, but sort of connection we see between the two is during that cafe scene. And so Danny, another huge qualm he has with the movie, like he feels like they're missing that part of showing their relationship because we're left with, well, why are they together? Um, and you know, the more I think about it, it's like, you know, I, this couple's together because they've been together for so long and probably have had many good times, but you just get to a point where like, yeah, we'll just stay together. So that's my, I mean, it's an excuse is what it is. Uh, my own thinking is an excuse. Uh, but I also agree. I, I would love to see because they, they do, they, they do make a good couple. I love them. And I, admittedly, I did not watch the second or third one because they just sounded absolutely terrible. Um, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't wanna... know there was sequels until I went to look up the, um, like, I was like, I like the movie. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to get the Blu-ray. And I was like, there's a second one. <laughs> like, I was like, what more story is there to tell? Like, right. I don't understand. It, well, exactly. You look at the story. It's like, they're on the run from some crime thing. It's like, eh, no, thanks. I don't need, like, can, can we just have like, you know, let's explore the relationship between these two. But I don't, I don't know if it, again, I haven't seen it. So I don't know. Maybe they do in the, in the second or third one. But uh, I think it is, the more I think about it, sorely missing uh, showing us that connection between our two main characters. Nah, yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, but uh, it, 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 there's a lot of merit to what you said, where it's just like they they've been together for a while, so it's just like you know they're 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 in that part of their relationship where it's just like you know it's kind of like the Lockhorns, 
if you will, where it's just like, you know, they obviously where it's just like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you you annoy me, I annoy you, but uh, we're we're so comfortable with each other, you know, it's, there's no point of trying to look anywhere else, you know? And, 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 you know, that happens in relationships all the time, especially like, you know, where, you know, you, you know, two people spend so much time together where it's just like the, the not necessarily the love, the love is still there, but like the passion is kind of just blamed out. Sure. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And they're just like, you know, they're staying together because of the, 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 the comfortable factor. Where we're just comfortable together, you know, where we're used to each other. So it's like, you know, why even bother, you know, saying like try to start a new relationship, go find someone new and have to start over from scratch. It's so hard. You know? It's so hard. Yeah. It was also just like, I mean, like I because like I my tattoo artist is gay and um, he and his husband have been together for like decades. And like um, he just recently um, within the last like couple of years um got not diagnosed like bipolar and whatnot and like there was so many times where like i because i it's funny because like i just got tattooed by him recently and you could see like the marked difference that he's now like medicated and like in therapy and like whatever and um he had talked about like with his husband because like he used to like fly off the handle really easily and like um he and then he's and i guess he had like brought up like with his husband whatever was just like it's like, why, like, why were you, like, why did you stick around? Like, whatever. He's like, because I loved you. Like, it's like, it's like, I was like, cause he was just like, cause the other thing is he was just like, I, it's like, this is never not you. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's like, I wasn't like aware of this. It's just like, I just love you anyway. So it's like, he stuck around even when like he was being out of his mind. And I was like, I think there's probably, there's an element of that in this by virtue of the fact that like it's not just a, like the whole starting over thing it's just like they're the bond is so deep at a certain point yeah. it's like yeah like you might not always like each other and like you there's not there's things that you're going to do that like piss you off so much that you don't even acknowledge them at a certain point but like you're just so enmeshed with one another that you wouldn't it wouldn't even occur to you to leave like it's just like it's just you are complimentary humans. Yeah, I I one one hundred percent agree. And like when Danny calls the movie dishonest, I'm like, I don't know if I would call it dishonest because of that. You know, these people have been together for so you know just all these reasons that we were just talking about. Yeah, he um, said he sounds like he sounds like a man who's never truly been in love. Danny. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, so to speak, because there is that saying, like, if you, if, 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 if there's never been a point where you've truly hated the person you're with, you've never truly oh, yeah. loved them. True. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, 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 uh, Danny and I are going to record here and, uh, soon. So I'll, I'll have to, cause I know he and his wife have been married for like 50 years. So I'll have to talk about, <laughs> is there a point you ever hated your wife, Danny? <laughs> okay, you're you're really yeah. Um okay, so here here's a question I have about the movie. Um so Danny uh, so let me read the the last thing he says in his review. He says as che- as Chekhov um stresses, if you bring a gun onto the stage, shoot it. Unfortunately in Lakaja Fall, 
There are intimations that there will be fireworks, but Molinaro forgot the matches. And he's alluding to the third act at dinner where, you know, uh, the the birth mom comes in and like she and Albin really hate each other. Yet she comes in and it's just like, a, you know, nothing. And then when Albin takes off his wig, like it's you would expect like this very conservative, very right wing, you know, leader of the moralist party to be like, you know, just taken aback and it's nothing happens. And so in that way, I feel like Lacage sort of rushes its ending, at least in the birdcage, you know, they, they get everybody done up and then they go through the club and, but they, you know, they do the whole song of where we are family and like it 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 feels like it's more conclusive Uh, it's more fleshed out as a whole i think the movie because birdcage is like a half hour longer yeah yeah so like as 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 a whole i think there's like it's definitely a much like that was the one thing i did notice was that like i was these are exactly the same almost beat for beat yeah but i was like i do feel like around the beats uh, Mike Nichols fleshed it out way more. Sure, like yeah. it's just like it's it's like that's yeah. Like the thing, it's like the ending, especially, is a good example of like it doesn't just like kind of like end. Like it just like they have the big kind of finale. Like there's a big like there's that whole sequence at the end of the birdcage, and I'm like that would have been nice here. But I get that like when you're remake. Cause it's funny because like you mentioned like the psycho thing, and I was like I would even say it's more like um. The difference between like let let the right one in and let me in. Oh, true. Where yeah, it's like they kind of like they take like this movie that's just like it's 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 very much its own thing, and they just kind of like tweak it for like yes. the American audience. Yeah, yeah that's much be- that's like, much better comparison. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I feel like in this case it's like that thing is like it was like they Mike Nichols knew how to tweak it um in a way, but at the same time like he had the benefit of having this movie to like build off of. Like, sure. So like to, to look at and be like, I don't like this ending. How do we make it better? Versus just the guys who made it and being like, okay, this is how we end it. And then like 20 years later, them being like, oh, I have a better idea. And then it's just like, well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> like as, as, as like comparison to like uh, District B13 and Brook Mansions, yeah. It's just like well, you, you I have, have not this... seen that, but I understand. No, no, you've seen it. You, you, <laughs> you, if you've seen District B thirteen, you've seen Brick Mansions. But like it's tweaked, you know what I'm saying? Like, but for the for the worse. <laughs> Kristen, are you missing <clears throat> something? And I, again, I, I realize this isn't your favorite movie of all time. But it, what are you missing? Do you feel like the third act is is rushed, or is it missing those dramatics? I guess I just felt like a lot of it felt like an outline, and they forgot to like actually write the jokes. Yeah, it's a good point. A lot of it, like, yeah, I, it does feel like okay, all this stuff is set up, and they're it's they're all coming together, and then like. Yeah, nothing spectacular <laughs> happens. Laurent's not even there for most of the time. That's so weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I wasn't. I was like, I, yeah, I felt like I was waiting for the for the payoffs that didn't really come. I think one of the only times I laughed was when the 
what is his role the moral order guy um <laughs> comes into their apartment and says i like the severity of this room. Yes. <laughs> that, was, that was like the first time i laughed <laughs> oh boy that's, that's pretty far into the movie Jeez, <laughs> into this comedy to extract like, a, it could have been line. i was in a weird place but <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i that is a really good line though um yeah it, I was sort of, and even in the birdcage, because there, there isn't, they don't do, I just feel like, you know, the, look at the, in the birdcage, look at the cast they have yeah. Yeah. Th that, you know, could have, I don't know, just more could have happened. I, I would have loved to seen a cat fight between Christine Baranski and Nathan Lane. I, I just think that would be fabulous. But um, yeah, here, there's like nothing. And God damn it, here's the deal, you guys. <laughs> So last week I talked uh, with Chris and Jonathan about Up in Smoke, and uh, I didn't really, I wasn't very high on the movie, no pun intended. <laughs> like, you literally just teed that right up. But, but after, after the conversation, I was like, yeah, I, you know, I, obviously I'm missing some things. I need to go back and rewatch this. And, and here I am, I'm coming in. I'm like, God, this movie is like almost perfect. And now I'm like, is it even good? that's my role no, it, it, yeah no it, <laughs> it is question if a movie <laughs> you like is even good <laughs> uh there yeah there are just questionable i mean even even outside of like the the characterizations of uh the people that populate this story it, it is i think you're right it does feel like it, it's a very loose outline and they're like oh fuck we're out of time just sh here's your shooting script here's your shooting outline go and i mean apparently that worked for them if they if it was a very popular movie and they got academy award nominations i feel like maybe the i don't know the audience at that time was just like more excited to see a a, a new thing or something it's know. yeah it's really interesting that this was such a huge hit like all over the world all over the world. So let me, if you would allow me to read a couple of reviews here. Uh, this one from our boy, Mr. Ebert from the Sun Times over in Chicago. Uh, this is basically the first sitcom in drag and the comic turns in the plot. Uh, the comic turns in the plot are achieved with such clockwork timing that sometimes we're laughing at what's funny. And sometimes we're just laughing at the movies. Sheer comic invention. What? <laughs> I don't, uh, this is a great time at the movies I agree it's also just as warm this isn't a bitchy cruel comedy as so many gay oriented considerations of straights tend to be uh, ouch Roger it's about people <laughs> who are good hearted who mean well and who cannot help being true to their natures it's also slapstick farce wicked social satire lacrimose soap opera and sneaking in here and there even a few plausible human truths describing a comedy is always a risky business the bare plot outline is of course no hint as to how funny a film is and to steal the jokes is a misdemeanor what i can say though is that lacage of fall gets the audience on its side with immediate ease and never betrays our confidence it astonishes us with the inspiration and logic it brings into ringing changes on the basic situation and it's so funny because this is like the anti-Danny Perry review. Yeah. 
like these guys saw the movie at the same time the same movie but it's like they saw completely different movies well yeah i mean that's the thing is like i was like the whole thing that i've like keep saying like i mean it's like on our show like just in like general like in life and twitter and everything is like i it's why i hate the idea of like good movies and bad movies because like in the end like everything that you are watching is based on not only everything you've seen up to that point but like everything you've experienced in life up to that point sure so it's like you everybody's seeing the world through their own little keyhole so it's like in the end to say that like any piece of art is good or bad is insane to me because i'm just like it's literally just how you it's like it's just how you're reflecting on you like it's like it just relates to how you're seeing it so it's like yeah so i mean you can have a review of like because i mean like the example that i could even just use is like um that we've talked about before but like um when rob first saw halloween kills he absolutely hated it and like i liked it and like i just and i didn't try to sway him i just basically laid out why i liked it and then he watched it again through that lens and he liked it better and it's just like it's just the nature of it is like everybody is seeing something through their own lens and how you feel about it is a very personal thing. Yeah, sure. it's like it's, it's like I always say: film is art, and art is subjective. Yeah, you know. So it's like it's it's, it's however you take it. You know, what I mean, it's like you know, yeah. The, that's the you know, me me and Patrick talk about that all the time. Where it's like, you know, I I, I used to say, you know, in in, in my early you know, prickish days. I mean, I'm still a prick, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, the, the, I only believe in the two types of movies, good movies and bad movies, but then it became like, you know, even if like the movie is quote unquote bad, you know, if, if you find some sense of enjoyment out of it, you know, regardless of its quality, it's, you know, you still enjoy it, you know? So is it necessarily bad? Per se, you know what I'm saying? You know, it you you still had fun, so yeah. it, it could you know, so to speak, still be considered good because you had fun with it. You know, so that, it's good a, to you. That's exactly yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like the room is just like you know, by all accounts, like you know, the the worst, you know, the Citizen Kane of bad movies. But I have fun every time I see the fucking room. yeah. You know what I'm saying, and it's like, and there's like a passionate feeling to it. So like, it's hard. I feel like it's 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 like it's like if you shit on the room, I feel like it's just like you're kind of missing out on like. But that's my whole thing with like it was like Ebert, where it's like there's a weird thing with like criticism, where it's like I feel like it's kind of changed now. Um, but there was a long time where it was just like every movie critic was basically comparing every movie to like every other movie that ever existed right so you're basically comparing like let's say the birdcage to citizen kane and it's just like that's a weird comparison whereas like it's not like apples to apples so it's like i feel yeah. like that's another thing that is it's kind of true of all of this is that like you have to kind of judge things on their own merits and kind of go from there like it's like you can't necessarily like it's like, like the the room might be objectively like poorly made but it was made by people who were trying to make a good movie and you could tell they were like they really tried their best like they were like giving it their all and yes they accidentally made 
a comedy and they're trying to make a drama, but it's a really funny comedy, whether or not they intended that to be. But is that a bad movie? Like, no, you right. made a good comedy. Like, it's just like, it's because you made it, you, you made it, you might have made a shitty drama, but you made a good comedy. So it's like, at least you made something worthwhile. No, nah, like, yeah, like when, when you set out to make a movie, nobody's setting out to make a bad movie. Like, when the people who set out to make intentionally bad movies is, is the way it's the fucking worst. Yes. You know, where it's just like, you know, that wink, like, see, it's supposed right. to be like this. And it's like, you're missing the point. Right, and I mean, like, like you know, every, every filmmaker who made "quote unquote" a bad movie was passionate about it. They were trying to make the best movie they could, they could, and it was just didn't turn out that way. But like, you, you can still see the passion in it, you know, and you you can't fault them for like, you know, missing the mark, so to speak. So it's right. like when you see something like you know, me and Patrick were talking about this. I mean, we not talking about it, but we briefly mentioned it in a previous conversation we had on the show where we were talking about machete kills uh where it's like robert rodriguez was trying like you know to make it like just like overly schlocky you know what i'm saying like intentionally schlocky and it's just like it doesn't work because yeah. you're you know you're in on the joke and i mean and it's just like it doesn't work that way and i mean so it's just like yeah that's why i always say like you know artists is a subjective thing and you know you you take it how like you know like like people are are different, you know. We all have different tastes, which which is why I don't really like doing recommendations. It's like, oh my god, this movie's the greatest movie ever. You're gonna love it, and then they turn around and they don't like it. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like you look like an asshole for recommending it. You know, so it's just like I, I recommend you watch it, and if you don't like it, you you like it, cool. You don't like it, that's cool too. You know what I'm saying? Because it's it's your taste, and you know, it, it's your perception of how you know what I'm saying the movie is and that's perfectly warranted you know what i'm saying it's just that bullshit where it's just like you get a you get attacked for having a difference of opinion or something i go fuck yourself dude right. you know what i'm saying because because I, I you can see on twitter i get attacked constantly you know what i'm saying for what was it the recently the, the, the <laughs> wrath the what McBain was it? situation? The oh like, yeah, McBain the... and Wrath of Man. Like oh yeah, these movies are better, and it's just like that's not what the fuck I was talking about. Yeah. You know, I was I was talking about like a specific point, and you just came in there like sorry to rain on your parade, but these movies are better, and it's like it has nothing to do with what I was saying. You know, so it's just like you came in there with with your big swinging dick trying to shit on me, and then like you look like an asshole. <laughs> That's that's such a horrifying image. That's just that's a, that's not a good time for anybody. <laughs> that's why that's why Kristen and I like to. That's why we like to keep a low profile and keep our numbers low, <laughs> so nobody. We just you know kind of fade into the background because mm-hmm. uh, keep that spotlight away from me. I no, I I agree with you, Rob. Like there, you know. This is how we're going to wrap up the conversation before we move into the second part. I'm going to bring this back, which uh, I we haven't done hardly ever. But filmmakers, like you're saying, setting out to make a bad movie, you're not even making art. You you're trying to do a joke. What are you, a comedian? Yeah. Like, and and not even a funny comedian. Right. Um. In in the same uh, thought process. People, filmmakers who set out to make a cult movie, it's the same thing. I don't think you, and this is again my opinion, I don't think you can make a cult movie. A cult movie is what, Patrick? What's a cult movie? 
I mean, to me, it's just something that like it it's has a very specific audience. Like, because it's like the main things I think of are like Donnie Darko and like Repo Man and like things of that. Where just like where it's not something that is made for mass consumption. That's why I always think it's funny when like people call like the Lost Boys the like, cult film. And I love the Lost Boys. Like I love it so much. Like we did an episode where it's because I love it so much. But it's like our it longest episode a, too. Yeah, it made it, but it's like it made a kajillion dollars and is iconic. <laughs> like what? It, what cult is that? Like that's, that's like the, the the entire planet is the cult that doesn't count. Like so, it's like but things that like came out and just instantly flopped, but then like kind of found an audience and became beloved. That to me is what a cult movie is, or just something that like it not necessarily made for everyone, but the people that it is made for will find it and will love it. And we'll treasure it. No, like, yeah, like, that, that's the thing where it's like, there was another thing we were talking about, like, where, where filmmakers make uh, movies for mass consumption where they're trying to please everyone. Yeah. And it, that doesn't work because you can't please everyone. You know, and the best cult movies are uh, filmmakers who make films basically for themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is something I would want to watch. Like, you know, and, you know, there's something I always say, it's just like, every filmmaker is a film fan, you know? And it's like, if if I, I make a movie I want to watch, you know, there, there are going to be other people who are going to follow. You know what I'm saying? Like, other people who are going to, like, you know, with, with elements I want, I like, this is a movie I would want to see. People are going to follow that, you know what I'm saying? Like, people are going to, like, you know what I'm saying? Because you know, we're not essentially. There's no film fan who's alone. You know what I'm saying? It's like like me and Patrick. You know what I'm saying? It's just like we're come from two, two incredibly different backgrounds, but we all like you know we both like the exact same shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like that's how we feel. Like you know, I like that's how we found each other because we we like the same type of like type of things. And it's like when you make a movie like that, you know what I'm saying? To me, that's the definition of a cult movie where it's just like, you know, I, I, I didn't make a movie I want to see. I didn't I didn't make a movie that I think everyone wants to see. Yeah. You know, it was, it was just like, you, you're going to fail. So it's like, you know, where, where you have a filmmaker, like you you, you bring out like an a indie director to make a, a comic book movie, you know, and it's like, it's not essentially a character he, he likes. You know, it's just like, oh, it's going to make a kajillion dollars. You know what I'm saying? You'll be a big success. Like, you know, but he wasted like three years on uh, on, on his life of uh, making this movie for a character he doesn't really care about because he's going to make a kajillion dollars. Over it. And it's just like, what was the fucking point? You know what I'm saying? There and usually no it doesn't even there. come out that way. It's like, because even yeah. like, it's like, even examples of movies that I like um, that everybody else hates. Like, I mean, Suicide Squad comes up, uh, the Josh Trank Fantastic Four comes up. Like, it's like, I definitely, like, understand why people hate them. But, like, I also just personally, like, think that they're rad. But, like, it's also, yeah, it's like a matter of, like, when you're trying to make, or at least when, the, like, when a studio wants a product and yeah. you deliver whatever a you film. deliver. And, it's, yeah, and it's not what they want. It's just like, well... This is gonna be a real hard time for everybody involved. Yeah, like it's 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 that it's that thing where it's like you you wanted product, but you hired an artist and they made a film, 
and it's like, what the fuck do I do with this? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, that happens all the time. Like, Josh Trank is a passionate filmmaker, and, you know, he tried, you know, tried to make a passionate uh, Fantastic Four movie, and 20th Century Fox was like, what the fuck did you give us? <laughs> no, no, no. This has to be product. You know, same thing with David Ayer. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he was passionate about making a Suicide School movie, and then Warner Brothers was like, no, this is not like Marvel at all. You know, what the fuck did you give us? We're going to switch this up and, and, and make this product. And he was like, what the fuck, dude? And then now he's never going to get his release the air cut thing. And it's, and it's all fucked up. It's all fucked up. <laughs> uh, not, not to laugh at David Ayer. I, I support David Ayer, but uh, it's, it's, just, it's just a totally just screwed up situation. It's like he wasted years of his life making something that he was incredibly passionate about. And they took it and they tried to make it product. And it, and I mean, it worked for Patrick. It, yes, it does. I was going to say, you motherfucker. <laughs> I feel like you're, 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 you're treading very close to areas that I am not comfortable with, Rob. Okay, okay, settle down, settle down, settle down. You know what I'm saying? You know, this is me. You know what I'm saying? We're all good here, baby. We're all good. Yes, We're yes. all good. You know what I'm saying? Well, it, it, it kind of works for me. Like I said, I, I give suicide credit because mommy really liked it. Um, but, oh, I, I wanted to add to that. Like, that just reminded me, like, when you mentioned Up in Smoke, uh, Anthony, and uh, you said you were not too high on it. Um, uh, uh, my mother, God bless her, used to tell me stories about, like, how, like, the the record came out, uh, the 12-inch, and it came out with, like, uh, a giant sheet of rolling paper. And um, her and my dad and a bunch of their friends decided to actually take that paper and just buy a massive amount of weed and roll it up and smoke it. You know what I'm saying? And it took them forever to do it. <laughs> and, like, when he mentioned up the smoke, I started laughing because I was like, I'm thinking about mommy and, and, and pop and shit and, and, and my uncle Junior, may he rest in peace as well. Um, and, and my uncle Benny to trying to smoke this this giant joint. <laughs> like that has nothing to do with what the fuck we're talking about <laughs> now and shit, but I just thought it was a funny thing to add. <laughs> um, all right, we're gonna uh move on to the second part here where we're gonna offer up some pairing recommendations. And so Rob, you are gonna have to recommend movies to people and if they don't like those movies then they can fuck themselves because that's how we roll <laughs> over here no i don't give a shit who likes what you you know um so um, i'm curious to see where we're gonna go here let's start with patrick let me hear your first pairing recommendation with lacage I mean, obviously, like, I feel like the birdcage would be like, I mean, I guess it would be weird because you're watching them like back to back and it's kind of the same story beats. But also, I think it'd be cool to watch them to c compare and contrast. Is Val still asleep? Mm -hmm. He must be exhausted. Poor baby. You should have told me he was coming. I'm so ashamed of the way I acted last night. But how could I know? The truth is, you can't stand sharing your son with me. You're always pushing me away. Oh, will you look at this shirt? It's a rag. No matter how many shirts I send that boy, he only wears this one. You look awful. What's wrong? I was getting married. Don't be silly. I got a pork roast for dinner. I wanted to get filet mignons, but they're so expensive. 
Married? What do you mean, married? You know what I mean. I don't understand. Yes, you do. No. Some girl he met at school. Oh, no. But he's just a baby. He's too young. He'll ruin his life. Listen, we've been through all that, all right? Bottom line is he's getting married no matter what we say, so the less said, the better. Um, just by virtue of the fact that, like, as I said, like, it's the same situation as, like, let, let the right way let, let me in, where it's just, like, you basically took this thing and you didn't, like, Xerox it. You just kind of, like, made it your own, which I think is interesting. Sure. So, like, I, cause, like as, as I said, like, I, I intended to do the same thing that Rob did. I intended to, like, watch it and then watch The Birdcage. I just never ended up getting around to that. But, um... But no, like it's that that's the main thing I can think of as far as pairing is good. Uh yeah, I think you know the because I had seen Lacage before and I knew how close it was, um, it, you know, I think it would make for an interesting experience. You know, almost like watching Hitchcock Psycho directly followed by or even side by side with Van Sant. <laughs> yeah. Um uh but yeah, it's you know the the you know the birdcage is. I think if it seems like we're all in agreement here, if somebody had, you know, if you have the choice, go with the birdcage because it's it's more entertaining. And like, you know, for us who are all around the same age, like we grew up with these with these actors, right? Like Robin Williams was a you know he was in all of our childhoods. So you know it's kind of and then Gene Hackman for God's sakes, yeah. right? Um, and speaking of the Lost Boys, Diane Weist is in there, and you know it's 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 sort of a I mean it's such a comfort movie for me. So, um, okay, Rob, let's hear one from you. Um, I also wanted to add uh, with 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 Birdcage, there's also a star making performance for Nathan Lane and Hank Azaria. Yeah, yeah, who, who, who is the the scene stealer in that movie? Like, uh, that was the first time the Birdcage is the first time I ever seen a man in a song. Uh, the 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 scene where the, he's vacuuming outside in the back, and you could just see him like slightly out of focus in the background. And um, it, it I re I remember the first time me and my sister watched it, like we, we laughed at the scene like till we were in tears because it was just like because because Hank is area he's just like such an underappreciated personality. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And it's like. He obviously should be a bigger thing, but you know Godzilla made sure that he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just wanted to shout out Hank Azaria because Hank Azaria is great. But um, I was going to go with Bros. We cannot afford to push our opening again. People will think we're in trouble. Maybe this whole place could fall apart. We need new ideas for what goes in the final mm -hmm. wing, and we need them now. Cherry, go. You know the blue whale hanging in the Museum of Natural History? Yes. What about that, but instead of the blue whale, it's a lesbian? Oh, no. Yeah, uh -uh. okay, well, yeah, we can't do that. What if the final exhibit was a recreation of a queer wedding? I like that. Okay, that I don't have. Tomorrow, that is so That's sweet. Great. I love that. And people can come and register for wedding gifts here. You're gonna write that. Oh my God, and no! That is old-fashioned heteronormative nonsense. We need to get people to rethink history through a queer prism, not comfort them with another gay wedding, all right? It's a museum, it's not Shit's Creek. Oh, I like but Shit's I, Creek. Oh, I love Shit's Creek. That show has oh, layers. Right. Everyone loves Shit's Creek, great, okay. That's who you remind me of, Eugene Levy. Yes! The Billy Eichner uh, comedy that came out because it's like, it, it's a perfect 
contrast where it's like a, a, a movie that is like it's it's a gay comedy but like you know made with straight people in mind where bros is a, a gay comedy made by gay people for gay people you know what i'm saying and and, and i thought that was like a, a a nice contrast and compare thing to go on there uh, and plus i i i i like billy eichner i love billy on the street so you yeah. know what i'm saying this is that was one of my favorite things ever was Billy on the Street. So um, I just thought that would just be like a nice good pairing, you know, yeah. the, that improves. Cool. All right, Kristen, let's hear your first one. Okay, so I was going to pick this movie even before I found out it's a remake of another Edward Molinaro movie, and that's Oscar from 1991. <sighs> uh the skate is back. Which good, Nora? No, the other one, Teresa. You remember, boss, the one that's not your daughter. Well, keep her on ice. I'm looking for something. What? A bag, just like this one. Ah, don't worry about that. I gave it back to Underwood's chauffeur. You did what? It was sitting here in the library before, so I switched the bags for you. And where was Einstein? Was Connie in here? Connie, was you in here? I didn't see him. Why don't you go stand over there next to your girlfriend? Uh, mush! Edward did did one in 1967, which That's I have not That's a remake? Seen. I didn't realize that. I did not realize that either. <laughs> um, so Oscar from 1991 uh, stars Sylvester Stallone as like... Nineteen, yeah, there it is. Nineteen thirties gangster, I think, and uh, I don't remember why he needs to like go go clean and not be a gangster anymore. And so it has a similar like he's trying to go straight, but all this thing, all these things keep coming up about his gangster life, or he would be able to deal with them better if he could just like. <laughs> live his old life so it's like uh that same farcical style and people hiding information and all of that and tim curry's in it so, so yeah god it is <laughs> man talk about a comfort movie this was one that we would rent constantly when i was a kid and uh i had brought it up who was i was talking to stephanie crawford we were talking about i think the girl can't help it and i was talking about oscar with that one too yeah, it's such a comforting movie, and, and like when when Kino announced it a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, immediately buying that, because uh, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, and then watching again, I was like, it's still fucking hysterical, and like this, the the cast is stacked, um, and yeah, it's just like one, you know, it's a comedy of errors, just one thing after another, so yeah. funny. I guess I'm gonna watch that when we're done recording. Yeah, thanks, do Kristen. It. Have uh, fun. Yeah. Are you not a fan, Rob? He is not. <laughs> You're not a fan of Oscar. Why not? Um, here's the thing. Um, I, I am a fan of Sylvester Stallone. Uh, I, I love Sylvester Stallone. Uh, me and Patrick had just had a conversation about, uh, at the time of this recording, uh, episode we just recorded for Chainsaw and Uh One of the films we talked about is about a Sylvester Stallone movie. Um, and, 
my my thing is like me and Patrick talked about this in, in great detail how uh sometimes uh Sylvester Sloan could be a lazy son of a bitch in, in movies. Um here's, here's the thing about Oscar. Like it's it, it came at a time where he was in this big rivalry with Schwarzenegger. And Schwarzenegger started doing comedies. You know, he did twins, he did kindergarten cop to both to great success. Um and Stallone was like, hey, if he's doing that, I could do that too. And his choices were Oscar and or and Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. And it's just like, uh, it's like here's 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 the thing. I I truly believe that Stallone uh, is great at doing subtle comedy because Rocky, is, you know, for the it's seen as an inspirational drama, but Rocky is fucking hilarious, you know. And and it's like, like he he can do comedy, but it's like my problem with Stallone is when he tries to do just big body abstract comedy, like where he's basically you know just out there trying to be like you know just oh like you know pratfalls and funny, and it's just like it, I I don't think he works in that spectrum of comedy. Like I I think he's more like when he's doing it a bit more subdued, like. Like he's incredibly funny in Tango and Cash, you know, where he's playing like you know more sarcastic than anything. I think that's more his wheelhouse than you know Pratt Falls and anything. So like, Oscar is just like, probably <laughs> like you know, and, and I don't you know obviously you're a fan of the movie, so I don't want to sound like a dick, you know what I'm saying here. But it's just like it, it's it's something I'm not a fan of. I just. As soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, no, here we go. (laughs) Yeah, I I shouldn't have asked. My bad. Um, (laughs) I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it even harder tonight. (laughs) Uh, Okay, my first one um, is is a French movie that came out in 2012. And uh, although it won't go on my official discoveries list that I write for F this movie at the end of the year, uh, because of rules, I have my own rules. Um, it's the best thing I've watched all year and it's called, uh, what's in a name or Les Prénoms. And it's, um, it's, it's sort of like, uh, Wes Anderson meets Woody Allen meets the big chill. And it's five people that get together for like a late night dinner at this couple's apartment. And it all start like, if you read the premise, on you know IMDb or Letterboxd, it says that a name of an unborn child, this couple's having a baby, and they announce the name, um, and it causes a bunch of shit. And I'm like, how can that be a whole 109 minute movie? And there's so much more juicy good stuff in it. It's like the name is is just the tip of the iceberg, and it's hysterical. I'd tell you who's in it, but I don't know who these fucking people are. They're all French. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's hysterical. It's very moving. Um, it's really tense in spots, but the co- comedy is so perfect that it's placed and delivered perfectly to cut that tension. And I mean, everything about this movie 
is is perfect. I like I said, it's the best thing I've watched all year long, and I, I don't want to say too much about it. You know, it's just uh, some people get together for a dinner party, and then all this shit just is revealed as the movie goes along. You're just like, oh my god! So by the end of the movie, you you know it, you're you if if you make like a scorecard, you're like, holy shit! All this came out at this one dinner party. Um, and like, it's, you know, it, lots of drama involved, but it's a comedy. This is a straight, straight ahead comedy. It's very, very funny. The performances are so good and so believable. Um, and so it, it was that sort of, uh, relationship comedy of Les Prenomes, uh, that, that relationship comedy that you get in Lacage. That's sort of my, my, uh, my connecting tissue here between the two movies, but uh, what's in a name can be found. It's on canopy. It's on Tubi, uh, the almighty Tubi. Um, I do highly recommend this movie. So like if, you know, he, and not so much Woody Allen in that, like it's neurotic. It's just, you know, it's one location, small cast sort of situation, you know, people getting together who have known each other, their whole lives is the big chill connection. Um, and I can't remember why I wrote Wes Anderson, but obviously he's in there somewhere. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I really, really recommend that movie. What's in a name? Um, okay. We normally do two here. Gentlemen, do, do, are you able to do one more each? I could. Okay. All right, Patrick, let's hear another one from you. Um, I mean, I actually was, it was funny cause like before, um rob said bros i was thinking about like greg Araki stuff but then i was just like i have now in my head pivoted uh to uh love simon um from a couple of years ago hey sorry yeah how long have you known i was around 13 four years four years at eating dinner together four years of going to movies together i'm sorry I shouldn't have no. missed it. Hey, no, Ted. No, all those stupid jokes. I know you didn't mean them. I just want you to know that I love you. I wouldn't change anything about you. Hey, stop crying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Oh, God. Come here. Hey. Oh, I saw a video from Mom coming. Good. I don't know how to export it, Can you help me with that? Yeah. Let's go. Hey, I thought maybe we could sign up for Grinder together. You don't know what Grinder is, do you? It's Facebook for gay people. Not what it is. Um, which was kind of like, because I, I know Bro is like the first like major like gay film from like a major studio. Um, but like the first one that was like, I remember like seeing um a kind of like a big screen like in a theater was love simon and i really like that movie it's like i it's like it's i mean it's a gay story but it's also just relatable i think in general just by virtue of the fact that like it's i remember like the way i had said when i was leaving the theater to my girlfriend at the time was i was like many people in the last like several decades have tried to do john hughes and this is the first time that I think somebody actually like managed to like hit that general like 
the the actual correct vibe like it's like it it feels like an actual like it feels almost like a Hughes movie that kind of was just kind of plucked from time and put out in I think like 2017 is when it came out um but yeah love Simon it's I I, I highly recommend yeah Greg Berlanti I he he did um he directed the Broken Hearts Broken Hearts what is that Broken Hearts something the baseball team the gay baseball team uh Broken Hearts romantic comedy oh yeah the Broken Hearts Club romantic comedy it's really good I remember watching that um in back in the early 2000s uh yeah I mean I've loved Simon I never consider I mean it's on my watch list now we'll say that Patrick so um you know I whenever somebody recommends something you know obviously it's worth at least talking about so um thanks for bringing that up uh, i had no idea that it was like a gay comedy though so oh yeah good okay um all right rob you got another one for us uh, um uh i was actually going to go with um another huge movie in the 90s that has been seemingly forgotten and that's in and out are you really okay? <laughs> Was there oh any other time you might have told me this? I'm wearing a wedding dress which you picked out. I I, I highlighted my hair because you said I needed shimmer. I I loved you and, and believed you and and pretended not to notice the Streisand thing. I thought that you're just creative. I thought you're just smarter than me and more sensitive and more interesting. I, I thought you were the most wonderful man who ever lived. I I thought you could just change my life and and show me the whole world and teach me about art and life and, and magic and I thought you could make me feel like a beautiful woman instead of the girl nobody wanted. Oh, no. Emily. But, but. Emily. Emily. Does anybody here know how many times I've had to watch Funny Lady? It was a sequel. She was under contract. Fuck Barbara Streisand. Oh yeah, um, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and it's like that. That's another one where it was just like it was a huge movie, and people don't talk about it. And it's like, it's like it's just like these movies come out and and they're huge and they just disappear, and I never got. It. But uh, uh, In and Out was another uh, favorite. Uh, of mine in my household, uh, of course, stars Kevin Klein and Tom Selleck and Matt Dillon. And I'm saying um, about uh, uh, Kevin Klein plays character coming to, to terms with his sexuality and when he's um, outed with like he did, he doesn't really know he's gay yet, um, so to speak. Um, and, and it's just like I, I mean, I thought that was like like. I guess appropriate, you know what I'm saying? Like when I was thinking of like pairings and this stuff. Because, sure. Yeah. And, and, and like especially like, you know, like when we talked about earlier, like, you know, where like the birdcage is seemingly 
somewhat forgotten where it's just like nobody talks about it anymore and like nobody talks about in and out anymore either and i remember in and out being a huge thing when it came out you know say it's directed by the great frank oz um as far as uh mustacheless uh tom Selleck, which is weird uh, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm always freaked out when uh i see tom Selleck without his mustache um but also the great kevin klein uh who, who doesn't get enough credit now no. I wish At Kevin all. Klein was still making shit. Like I'd never see Kevin Klein anymore. It's always a bummer. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's weird too because, uh, you know, of course he's married to Phoebe Cates. Yeah, and Phoebe Cates, uh, some so to speak, retired from acting. You know what I'm saying? So I guess he could be, I guess, the breadwinner. I don't know. Like I don't know why she retired from acting. You know what I'm saying? Because you know Phoebe Cates is such an incredible. Uh, talent. Uh, I love seeing PB Cates and stuff and shit. And just, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm married to Kevin Klein. You know what I'm saying? Like, let him fucking make all the movies and shit while I just chill. Yeah, she retired because <laughs> she wanted to raise raise their kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was pretty sure that was why. I remember, yeah. like, that uh, one of them was in Squid and the Whale, one yeah. of the kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I know, like, I think the last time PB Cates was in something was, um, uh, what was that? What was the name of that movie that was directed by Alan Cumming and Jennifer Jason Lee? I know Chuck, but I don't know the name of it. Yeah, yeah, like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but like, and then Kevin Klein himself disappeared from movies. You know, like, was it was it the Wild Wild West that 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 killed it for him? You know it definitely it, it definitely wounded him. Like I'm not saying I say it killed him, but it you can hear him every him. week on Bob's Burgers as Mr. Fish Odor. That's fair. That's fair. Really. Yeah, he's very, very funny in Bob's Burgers. Yeah, he's one of the main characters, yeah. No, like, here's the thing. Like, I always catch the last five minutes of Bob's Burgers because it appears before Family Guy. So it's like, as I'm waiting for Family Guy to come out, I don't know why why the fuck I still watch Family Guy. Um, Because that that show has been mid for for years now. But um, I still watch Family Guy, and I always catch the last five minutes of Bob's Burgers. But, like, I I did not know Kevin Klein was on that. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I, I, I love Kevin Klein. My mother loved Kevin Klein, especially for uh, A Fish Called Wanda. Mm-hmm. Um, one of her favorite uh, comedies ever. Um, she, she always had high praise for A Fish Called Wanda and him in it. Um, so I love Kevin Klein, you know what I'm saying? Which is why, like, I, I love that movie. You know, it's like, you know, also like, uh, like things he did, like Dave. Like, that's another forgotten comedy. Like, people always forget Dave. Dave was another massive comedy that just people just, you know, like you bring Dave up and it's like, oh my god, I totally forgot that movie existed until you said it. You know, and it's like, and then that was one of those things where it's just like it, it, it was great. I, I loved it, and the, I just wanted to shout it out because it's like it was it was a great it was a great thing. Like it, it was funny too because I was almost thinking about like Philadelphia, which is like you know, which you know has that it's connection. A hard to left it. turn. <laughs> 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 it's like you were you were really happy that would be really sad <laughs> yeah, yeah totally totally but like obviously in and out was inspired by uh tom hanks yeah, except his speech yeah. yeah you know what i'm saying so like it was like yeah like let me not go with philadelphia let me go with in and out which is a happier thing <laughs> you know so it's like let me not be depressing here by mentioning philadelphia good fucking movie yes but depressing yeah, yeah. as fuck you know what i'm saying so it's like, let me go with the the happier alternative within and out. 
<laughs> in and out was always uh one of the if, if we ever had to take charter buses for like choir trips or band trips um and because i would have been a sophomore when this came out um in and out was one of the movies that we would always put in the vcr on the charter buses for yeah. some reason which is you know it i think that's awesome um but i i remember as like oh fuck in and out again <laughs> are you kidding me uh so i haven't watched it since i was in high school but i'll definitely i need to go back i didn't realize frank oz directed it that's cool yeah that's, that's, that's like you, you mentioned that that's like like when my mother forcing me to watch uh like the, the goonies again or grease again or uh you know what i'm saying like uh, the, the, there's a there's a funny story like i'll mention it here um i did a in the second grade i did a production of greased lightning um like you know what i'm saying you know uh, and i had to do the whole grease lightning thing so Grease is actually a movie that's like the bane of my existence. That's fair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was because like every time Grease played and ABC Family played Grease a fucking lot. So like every time like they would play Grease and Grease Lightning, like the number Grease Lightning would come up, like my mother would always like blast it. You know, like like hey, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So to make sure I heard that shit. <laughs> like, like oh look what they're playing like yeah yeah i can hear it Mom. i can hear it <laughs> like like thanks and then she had it on video too and she would always like blackmail me like like you bring a girl over to the house i'm gonna show her that, that, that production of grease lightning you did i'm like thanks Mom. i appreciate it yeah 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 i get a for that <laughs> All right, Kristen, let's uh let's hear your next your your pairing. Yeah, apparently I went with uh movies where gangsters pretend not to be gangsters. <laughs> uh movie I'm picking is Miracles from 1989 with Jackie Chan. Um, this is a for some reason like through some crazy circumstance, uh Jackie Chan's character who is not a gangster becomes like the head of this gang and then he tries most of them there's all kind of things going on in this movie but at least i think about half of the movie is um he's trying to do a good deed for this woman who uh she she her daughter is coming to visit and she's had this letter correspondence with their daughter where she's made it seem like she's doing really well and she's wealthy and everything and that's not the case so Jackie Chan and his gang are basically like put on this production you know try to pretend to be uh you know this woman's servants and like set her up in a fancy place and everything so it has that like farcical element and then you also get to see Jackie Chan do some crazy stunts in a rope factory at some point as you do yeah why not? <laughs> I, I'm looking off to the side because uh, I know I have miracles in this section of my film collection, uh, but uh, I'm not seeing it right now, so forget <laughs> it. <laughs> but uh, I will say that uh, I just, uh, as, as of this recording, um, before we recorded, uh, I, I went to um, to the station to buy um, this uh, Jackie Chan film oh, yeah. collection, Volume 2. Um, so it's like I'm, I'm 
thank you for mentioning Jackie Chan so I can showcase this. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't uh, piss you off with both of my picks. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, wonderful. Um, let me do my last one here. Um, okay, so I was thinking, you know, I had uh, the birdcage in my mind. Birdcage is a very um, Miami-centric movie, and I've, you know, a very down on the uh, whatever that avenue is called the main the main strip in Miami. It's very kind of centralized around that area, and so I had Miami in my mind, and I was thinking of you know another kind of family comedy drama all sorts of stuff going on uh, within a family relationships comedy sort of thing and um back in oh probably 96 or 97 on this you know wgn or tn tnt or one of those channels i had caught uh this movie and I didn't know what it was. Like I started in the middle and I was like, oh, I, 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 I'm going to watch this because it's funny. Also, Carla Gugino was in there and I was like, who's this? I'm just <laughs> going to watch this pretty lady some more. And so I watched this movie and like all these people started showing up. It was like Sarah Jessica Parker and Antonio Banderas and like Jeremy Piven and, and Kevin Pollack and Naomi Banks and like um, Mia Farrow. And I was like, what is this movie? And so cut to like probably a decade later. Um, I don't know what it was, how I came across it, but it was this movie called Miami Rhapsody. Critics are falling head over heels for Miami Rhapsody. <laughs> it's this season's four weddings and a funeral. When did they meet? Three months ago? It takes me longer to buy a pair of shoes. ABC Radio calls it a hilarious romantic comedy that's a deliciously dizzy and sexy spin. My head is spinning. It's sophisticated and funny <laughs> and a fresh and wonderfully witty film. 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Yeah, not to mention all the ones that end in gunplay. Miami Rhapsody, rated PG-13. Now playing Cinema One starts Friday in select theaters. From 1995. And I watched the whole thing on TV. And I was like, this is that movie. And then Kino Lorber put it out on Blu-ray uh, on a on a double with, with Too Much, another Antonio Banderas movie. And I was like, I have to have this movie. And uh, I don't know if it's good or not, but like I, I rewatched it with my wife. The other night, and she's uh, she can be a pretty harsh critic about movies that I like. And she's like, yeah, that was really good. I loved that movie. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, maybe it's like it's sort of everybody can like this movie. Uh, but so, yeah, it stars Sarah Jessica Parker. And at the beginning of the movie, she's in this uh, relationship with Gil Bellows. And he's like, should we get married? Let's get married. Like sort of like a non-proposal proposal. And so as they start slowly planning their wedding, she realizes like everybody in her family is having affairs and cheating on one another. And, and her sister is Carla Gugino and she just gets married to this football player, but the football player is so consumed with his, with, with the, with the sport thing. Uh, she starts having an affair with Jeremy Piven and like her mom is Mia Farrow and she's married to uh, Paul Mazursky and each of them are having affairs and, and her brother is Kevin Pollock and he's having an affair. And 
And so she's like, I can't get married. Like love isn't real. People don't really fall in love. And so, you know, she has these kind of great conversations separately with her parents, Paul Mazursky and Mia Farrow. And they're both like, yeah, we're, you know, we're having affairs, but we're not going to leave. You know, I'm not going to leave your father because I still, I'm still in love with him. And so it kind of reminded me of like, why are, uh, Albin and I can't remember the other guy's name, Ugo Tagnazi's character. Why are they together? It's because they love each other. You know, they've been together. They're comfortable with each other. And and so uh, Miami Rhapsody is really cute. It's really funny. If you're like, if you can't stand something like Sex in the City, you're going to fucking hate Miami Rhapsody <laughs> because it, it's sort of like a pre-run of Sex in the City because it comes out like, I don't know, three years before uh, SJP starts doing Sex in the City. Uh, it's very, very similar, dialogue heavy, Lots of, you know, uh, sort of kind of friendly bickering with one another and questioning why are we together sort of thing. But it's really fun um, and it's very Miami. I think Miami is in movies is very beautiful um, when they shoot it, you know, correctly. It looks really beautiful. Um, and, you know, I love everybody in this cast. So uh, Miami Rhapsody with... Lacage, I think, would make for a good evening. Has anyone seen Miami Rhapsody? No. I know that I have, but it was a long... It's kind of the same thing as you, where it's just like, I remember seeing it on TV, but I don't remember seeing it since. So, like, I definitely know that I have seen it, because as soon as you said, like, the various cast members, I'm like, I know this movie. Yeah. And then when you said the title, I was like, yes, I do recall this film. Like, I was like, I just haven't seen it, like, probably since I was, like, a child. But, right. like, I do recall it. Yeah. I, I recall it as well. I, I remember seeing it playing on HBO, and I was just like, "I'm not watching this shit." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, real, real quick, real quick, um, uh, to Kristen. Yeah. Found yeah. it. Black <laughs> Dragon. Oh. Yeah. See, previously released as Miracle. Oh wow! I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, there's two different cuts on here. There's uh, like the American release cut, and then there's the action, like uh, cool. Uh, Hong Kong release cut. So it's like, I, I knew I had it here around here somewhere. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I really appreciate you guys hanging out with Chris and I. This was a lot of fun um, kind of uh, pulling you guys out of your wheelhouse and talking about talking about this French, you know, drag comedy. So I really appreciate it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Patrick, where can people find you online? Um, I mean, I'm Alleyway Crew, uh, Crew with a K, uh, pretty much everywhere I can think of that I want you to know where it is. So yes, Alleyway Crew. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, Rob? Uh, uh, of course, I'm the Cinema Drunkie. Um, the Cinema Drunkie on Twitter, uh, fully the Cinema Drunkie on Instagram, but I'm not on there. Uh, I'm barely on there if at all on you basically just share the stories that i do of our podcast <laughs> and, that, and that's it and that's it that's it uh but if, if you want to find me i'm i'm mostly on twitter um i mean when when i when i can get on there um but uh like yeah i'm on, I'm on twitter uh at the center trunky so if that's where uh you want to find me that's where i am and uh what what's the handle for uh chainsaws and claws at chainsaws claws at Chainsaws Claws on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. um, Kristen, where are you at? I'm on Twitter at snail with an E on the end and 
check out clapperboard cuties on Instagram for some archival stills of people holding slates from outtakes. I don't know if that's interesting to you it at is. all. Check trust it out. me, trust me, it's really, really cool. <laughs> um, uh, you can find this show, friends, on Twitter and Instagram at Cult Movies Pod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Letterbox at AK Donnelly. It's AK D O N E L L Y. Um, every Friday, head on over to fthismovie.com. You can check out my column, Notes on Film. And uh, head on over to patreon.com backslash cult movies podcast, uh, where every couple weeks, Kristen and I, or me and somebody, talk about stuff. Kristen and I, we're, we, we're going to talk tomorrow night, too, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Um, and uh, so, yeah, patreon.com backslash cult movies podcast. Uh, for some bonus material over there. Rob and Patrick, I appreciate you guys. This is a lot of fun. No, thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate this. You know, a uh, big fan of yours. Uh, so, like, we, we really appreciate you. you. You know, we wanted to talk to you for a while. So we really appreciate coming on and, and talking to you. This was a lot of fun. Right on. 100%. Yes, yes. I was like, I. it's funny because, like, um, I was not sure as i said like i was not sure like 100 like if this would like fit together but i'm really glad to know that it did <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah it worked thanks guys